Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. Those joining online and those that are in the house, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And uh, hopefully you all will have a good Christmas uh, this week coming up. So we're going to sing some Christmas carols and some favorites of the church. So let's join together this morning and sing Joy to the World, the Lord has come. scripture and prayer at this time. Praise the Lord. Y'all can hear me? God is good. Praise the Lord. I got a couple cards I want to read this morning. Um, first, I want to say behalf of my, my family um, blessed are those who give of themselves for about performance thanks for all your help uh, this is from Sherry and Aaron um, this card says thank you so much for your calls your taxes, your food, your flowers your prayers for the passing of um, our mother-in-law Faye Huff we appreciate and love each and one of y'all very much, we thank you for that y'all were a blessing in our time of need, we thank you for that today um, I got another card here that we want to present to uh, Brother Jonathan Vaughn. Um, this is a gift from the church. Um, this will be his Christmas present from the church. And um, again, we're thankful for all that he does. And, um, and God bless him. Uh, 
that being said, I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 15. This is Paul speaking, and uh, I believe that this scripture was oftentimes memorized. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me, Jesus Christ, in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer. And again, I'm thankful to have all y'all today. It's good to be in God's house. And um, let's take this moment to pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always for your love and mercy. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that you brought us through uh, another year, Lord, through another season. We're thankful, Lord, that we can come into the house of God. We're lifting up hands, lifting up hearts, giving you praise, giving you honor and glory. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you touch us, Lord fresh and anew today, Lord. Father, I pray that everything that's said and done today, Lord, would edify, that it would lift you up. When you said in your word, Lord, that we will lift you up, you will draw all men. Again, I'm thankful, Lord, to be in your house. Thankful for your presence, Lord. Thankful, Lord, that you're our Lord and our Savior. We say all these things in Christ's name. And again, we're thankful. Amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly for a moment. Let me say it's such a privilege to have every one of you in church this morning on Christmas Sunday. It's always an exciting time uh, to uh, be celebrating the uh, birth of our Lord and Savior. So I know we uh, oftentimes just celebrate at Christmas, but it's something we really can celebrate all year long. Because uh, without Him coming, there would be no cross, there would be no Calvary, there would be no resurrection, there would be no life eternal. So we are thankful. Uh, every day for what Christ came and he did and uh, so we celebrate that today there's a couple items housekeeping items that I want to just briefly uh, cover here just for a moment there's a lot of things that it takes to uh, get uh, people uh, in church and doing things in church a lot of behind the scenes folks a lot of times you might see one or two people up front, but you don't see what goes on everywhere else. And uh, Curtis came home from the military. That's why some folks are a little uh, emotional about that. He was very uh, emphatic when I saw him last night. Do not tell anybody I'm home. I don't know if he told his parents or not. Yeah, I know his dad's here. I don't know who knows, but he's home. And uh, you, many of you have wrote cards and stuff uh, to him, but uh, he has finished his assignment and uh, he's coming back home for a while to, to do some more uh, work and study and training, but he's, uh, he's home from boot camp and so uh, we are so glad for Christmas he made it home. Job well done and we're so glad he's home today. That being said, there's a lot of folks in our church that make things like this a special day. 
Uh, and there's a couple people, some of them were not here this morning, and uh, we'll cover those people. Uh, I'll tell you what they do, and we'll catch up with them. But uh, the first one I, I want to start with uh, today uh, is Brother uh, Randy and Sister Carol. Uh, yes, they play music. Yes, they sing. Um, they do a whole lot more throughout the week than just that. Uh, they come in here and count the money uh, on uh, Sunday afternoons, take it to the bank for us on Monday morning to make sure it hits the bank pronto. They come out here on Wednesday morning and make copies of everybody's songbooks, lists, print their music, make sure it's in the right key, uh, put all the stuff in the computer, input it in the computer. They're out here two or three days a week. You never see them except on Sundays and Wednesdays. They're here a lot, and um, I couldn't do what I do without them. I often pick around here and say that that's the boss, and I just do whatever she says. I just sign my name, and I hope that whatever I signed was legal, and uh, and that's what I do around here. But all joking aside, she keeps me straight. And uh, so on behalf of, of my department as well as the church, I, I know it's really – well, you want me to give it to her? Okay, I'll do that. I'll give it to the boss. Brandon, will you put a little bit of this in the monitor for me? Uh, the – the, uh, can you put you, some of this in the monitor uh, so I can hear? I, I feel like I'm in a, in a hole. I know you can hear me, but uh, Brother Stan and Sister Brenda are not here, but Brother Stan and Sister Brenda for many years have been super faithful of making sure our Sunday school department runs without a hitch. They do the they they do the books, they they check it, they you know they put all the money and uh, things in there and uh, for Sunday school and uh, and he's also serves on our council, so we're thankful for him. I'm going to ask Brother Marion if he's come. I meant to tell you to stay. I, I didn't mean for you to get workouts in this sherry if she'll come uh, this morning. Uh, and uh, y'all can decide who gets it. It doesn't really matter to me. Uh, y'all going to have to go together because there's only one card in there. So y'all going to have to go together. And you can't split it because it's a restaurant. But, uh, but Brother Marion serves on our council and board of trustees here and helps me out with making decisions. Obviously, Sister Sherry helps us in our music department, leading all our hymns and picking those out been faithful for gosh I don't know how many years now uh, that she's served this church in the music department but a lot longer than I've been here and uh, and so we're thankful for what they do so can we uh, show our appreciation to them today as well thank you so much uh, uh, Riley I'll give you this because I'm not gonna make your mom and dad leave but Brandon and Tana and Riley all together the whole family's involved in this operation uh, they sing they keep me on, on uh, line. They watch the computer. They put it on the screens. They're, Brandon just got home. As soon as he got home, he hit the ground running, making sure sound's ready to go for this weekend service. Uh, if they didn't turn it on and they didn't unmute me, you'd be watching a silent film. That's what you'd be watching right now. There's what keeps me going and all these instruments going. So they help put all the screens and make sure we're good to go and online. And if any of you have ever watched online, in fact, let me ask, how many have ever watched an online service from the church? That's the people you should thank because that's who's making it happen because I can't be in two places. So they're the ones making sure we happen. So thank you guys. Can we appreciate them today as well? Uh Madison may be in the back, isn't she? She's in the back, George Church. Okay. Madison helps run the computer as well. She's uh, always uh, go-to with that. She's not. She's here, but she's watching your children. So she probably deserves this more than any other day of the year right now. Miss um, Brenda Burbage, this is for you. She plays on our music team. 
uh, and helps us and all the beautiful flowers that you see up front at the, at the uh, awnings and all the, the landscaping in terms of not the cutting the grass but the flowers everywhere. She plants them, she waters them, she makes sure they're there. So she does a lot as well. So thank you so much for what you do for the church. All right, uh, Sister Dale's in the back, but Brother uh, Dennis and Sister Dale, uh, Sister Dale, I want you to see I'm handing it here, right here, so you know where it went. So if you say, I never saw that card, it left my hands right there. But Brother Dennis plays the bass. He is so faithful to us in playing the bass. Sister Dale, how many of you have ever been out of church and received a card from the church at all, ever? Okay, that's the lady that makes it happen. If you ever received a card from our church that says we love you, thinking about you, we miss you, any card from the church you've ever received, that's the lady that made it happen. So that's who we need to thank today for that. Sister Dale, Brother Dennis, thank you so much. All right, I'm not going to make her come. Riley, will you take this to me to Sister Sandy? Sister Sandy teaches our kids in Sunday school, and she also doubles over in teaching children's church twice a month. And... If you like clean bathrooms, if you like clean carpet, if you like the church to look good, if you like the church to smell good, and you don't like to sign trash everywhere, she cleans this entire building by herself every week. So, Miss Sandy, thank you so much. Now, she's going to probably fuss at me for saying this, but Miss Sandy has a little trick that she does when she's cleaning. Miss Sandy also is our backup sound tech, and oftentimes... She will turn the sound on when she doesn't know anybody's here or she thinks I'm not here in my office. And she will start playing music through the system. And I will hear her singing and praying over all of you as she vacuums this floor. So she's not only cleaning, she's praying for you while she's cleaning this building. You don't find that everywhere you go. I can promise you that right now. Molly Mae don't come in and pray when they clean. Come on. So we got it made around here. Uh... Brother Larry's not here, as you can tell. I'm not him. Uh, I'm a little bit shorter than he is, and I don't have near the the physique that he has, but he's in Seattle, Washington, enjoying working in the rain. But he and Sister Jennifer, I'm going to go ahead and hand this to her, are so faithful to play in the van. Brother Larry helps with our security teams and things, making sure we're safe on the property. Sister Jennifer has been recently elected as our women's ministry president to help oversee just some of the operations of the ladies' circle. And uh, helps with all the decorations you see every time you see flowers at spring and the summer arrangements, the fall arrangements, the poncettas, anything that's decor-oriented. I ain't that good. She does that. If it was left up to me, we'd look the same every day. I, I don't know how to decorate. My stuff don't match at the time. She does it. Anytime you've ever been to a Christmas dinner, banquet, whatever, and it's been decorated in the back, she's come out and set it up. VBS decorations between her and Miss Jeannie and Miss Sandy, set it up. So they have a lot that they do as well. So thank you so much. Can we give appreciation to that? And uh, finally, uh, last but certainly not least, uh, uh, this particular group did not ask me to do this. um, But uh, if you've ever met uh, these particular individuals, I'm sorry, uh, they're the best of the best. And uh, we recently uh, have been realigning some of our uh, uh, alignments of things at the church and uh, Sister Jeannie has been so faithful uh, to jump in uh, after coming back to the church jump in and helping with the kids ministry she teaches the youth every other Wednesday night along with Brother Randy so she teaches not only kids but the youth she's also involved in all that but Brother Ray 
uh, the, the biggest guy in the church and the probably most feared guy in the church, but probably the tenderheartedest, most tenderhearted guy in the church. But don't tell nobody else because I need them to think that he's protecting me uh, at all costs. But uh, he walks around this perimeter. He sits there in the back. He walks around and checks and makes sure everything's going good when we're all on stage. And so um, if you'll rather take this for Brother Ray, you and Miss Jeannie, I hope you all have a wonderful dinner on me. And think about me when you're eating. And uh, have a bless with that. Let me say to those that presented all the cards today on behalf of the staff, uh, we love you. We uh, appreciate you. But also the gentlemen and whoever had the involvement of of presenting me the card today uh, for Christmas. Thank you so much. Certainly not necessary uh, nor warranted, but I am humbly eternally grateful to this body that you give me the esteemed opportunity and privilege to serve you every week here at the church and be able to be a part, call you family. And so we are so glad that you are uh, a part of our family and all that you do. I am also glad before I we segue, you guys can come on, before we segue to worship, I also want to say I'm glad to see Sister Barnes back. She's been out because of her brother being sick, but it's so good to see her back today in the house of the Lord. So let's stand together. Let's go back to worshiping the Lord. We're going to continue singing our Christmas carols this morning with a uh, old one, an old hymn of the church, Our uh, Angels We Have Heard on High. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.
Father, Lord, we thank you today for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, we thank you today that we can celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, today I pray that you would help us as we get ready to break the bread of life to hear a word from you today. It might be the Christmas season, but you still are the reason we are here and we're celebrating today. The birth, Lord, of your Son, who came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, but subsequently went and died on a cross so that we could have reconciliation back with God and man. And for that today, Lord, we're asking you to be in our midst. Thank you for the presence we have felt already in this place today. And we celebrate today with you. In Christ's name we pray and ask. And the people of God together said, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Chapter number 2. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading there this morning. Something went wrong. Well, I might be dying, y'all. Not literally, my batteries are dying. Well... pacemaker I'd be in trouble y'all glad that one's still working all right Luke chapter number two we'll begin reading in verse number 25 Uh, just a little bit of monitor for me guys up here so I don't feel like I'm in a fog if you don't mind might just be my head just there there we go a little bit up in there thank you Luke chapter 2 Verse 25, once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word in the house of the Lord. If you do not have your Bibles, you certainly can follow along with us on the screen this morning, as it will be on your screen there. Let me remind you, please pick up your children after church today. They might want to go home for Christmas. I'd hate for them to stay over the Christmas holidays locked up in church. So uh, please pick them up today. All those joining online, uh, we welcome you to church as well. We're still in our series called The Characters of Christmas, and uh, we're going to pick up week number three with that. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he sees the Lord Christ. And he came led by the Spirit. See, when God leads you, he'll lead you to the right place. You know, that's what Christmas is all about. You know, we'll talk about it next year. But when the wise men saw the star, they followed. And it led them right to Jesus. God's Spirit, if you'll let him, God's Spirit will draw you and lead you where he wants you to go. You just got to be discerning, number one, of his spirit, and then obey wherever his spirit is headed. So 
So he came by the Spirit to the temple when he got there. The parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. They were going to dedicate him. Then he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. He's saying, Lord, you can let me die now. I did it. You let me see. According to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which has been prepared before the face of all the people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. This is the first time we see the Gentiles being offered this salvation story. Joseph and the baby's mother marveled at the things which were being spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel for a sign which thou wilt be spoken against. Yea, a sword will pierce through your heart, your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Talking about his death, prophesying of his death. There was also one named Anna, who was a prophetess, a daughter of Panuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age. And had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. But he died. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. Eighty-four years old. And departed not from the temple. But she served God with fasting and prayer night and day. There's something to be said about prayer and fasting still, y'all. Verse number 28. And she coming in that instance gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Spoke of him all which had been looked at for the redemption in Jerusalem. The people, this is Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, watch. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light, them hath the light shine. Remember what Simeon said. Lord, I can sleep now. I can die peaceably. I have seen the hope of glory. I have seen your son. In the fullness thereof. First Peter 1 verse 13. Look at what it says. Wherefore gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober and hope. To the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember what Simeon said. Lord because you let me see him. I can die in peace. Because I've seen the Lord. Isaiah said people that walk in darkness. They don't have to walk there. Because they will have seen a great light. Peter says that we have hope because when we are fully understanding the revelation of what Jesus did and what he came for, we have hope in this world while everybody else might be of all men most miserable. We have hope. We have hope. So today I want to talk to you on this title. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. And if I didn't even say anything else and close this Bible, let me just tell you his name is Jesus. That's all you needed to know today. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Father, may you bless the reading of your word. Let us not only be hearers, but doers thereof. And let us, Lord, walk in the beauty of holiness and in accordance to your divine will. Bless us, keep us, and may your face shine upon us. In Christ's name we pray and ask these things. And the people of God together said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. I read to you three different accounts 
of the prophecies and the fulfillment of prophecies of Jesus Christ. I read to you the account of Luke where Luke says Jesus came and a, a, a priest by the name of Simeon sees the Lord and says he can fully rest now knowing that he has seen God's face to face and, and how he has been with him and he has waited all these years to see the Lord and God has granted him such wishes. We read to you about a lady by the name of Anna, a widow that's now about 84 years old that has been working daily in the temple of the Lord and she also gets to lay her eyes on the redemptive Savior of Israel. I read to you out of Isaiah chapter 9 his prophetic clarion call that when men walk around in darkness they don't have to stay there because when you walk in darkness there has come a great light and when you see that light that light of Israel he said they can dwell in darkness but they don't have to because the light has come. Peter after walking for three and a half years with this man watching him do signs and wonders and miracles, Peter says to his people that he's writing to as an early church father and in his letters prior to his uh, an untimely death and being crucified upside down for the namesake of Christianity, Peter tells the people, don't worry about it. Gird up your loins and don't worry because we have a hope in of all men. The rest of the world doesn't, but we have a hope in us. And that hope is Jesus Christ. And once we understand the nature of what Christmas is all about, we too can celebrate this season and understanding that we have a hope. We don't have to put a hope in a church. We don't have to put hope in a government. We don't have to put hope in a job. We don't have to put hope in our family because those people and those places will let you down. But I've come by to remind somebody that the same baby that was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago and wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, once you understand the magnificent nature of what Christ did and what he came for, you can leave here today not depressed, not down trodden, not sad, not dreading the holiday, but walk out of here knowing that we can celebrate today that we have a hope and that hope is Jesus Christ in our lives. We have hope. We have hope. So we celebrate that. For three weeks we've been talking about the characters of Christmas. Throughout the years, the church, the early churches have celebrated what is known as the four themes of the Advent season which eventually culminate on Christmas Day. The word Advent comes from a Latin word called Adventus that literally means the coming or arrival. Adventus. During the weeks leading up to Christmas, people have celebrated the birth of Christ in His first coming, but also Advent talks about the fulfillment of Christ's coming in His future return. At the center of our faith is the belief that when Jesus was born in a manger, he started something beautiful and right in the middle of our human chaos. It was chaotic when Jesus was born, but it's chaos in the day we're living in right now. And in the middle of chaos 2,000 years ago, in the middle of pandemonium and the world disheveled, Christ came. In the middle of 2021 with the impending arrival of 2022, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of Omicron and all these other variations that's coming out, in the middle of this mess, there's still a hope. And that's Jesus Christ who is still coming again, church. Some point the eastern sky will split and Gabriel will blow a trumpet. We still have a hope. He'll come again in the middle of chaos. He'll come again. 
That's the center of our faith. Through life, death, resurrection, he would restore the way God intended for it to be. The four themes of Advent is hope, peace, joy, and love. The first week, we discussed Zechariah and Elizabeth and their story. That represented the joy of the Lord. Last week, we discovered the challenges that Mary and Joseph faced, but we saw that God is a God of love. He will make sure everybody comes in together and in agreement. He is a God of love. This week, we are focusing on the third aspect, hope. We know that we serve a God who keeps His promises. He promises in His Word to give us hope, peace, joy, love. All of those things lead us back to a manger where we meet Jesus. Every holiday that we celebrate barely seems like, barely gets over before we're planning for the next big holiday on the calendar. We literally have countdowns, people have countdowns to how many months, weeks, and days to certain events like Thanksgiving, Christmas, anniversaries. They are celebrating to them, to themselves, the most wonderful time of the year. Some people are already scheming and planning for next year's Christmas and haven't even finished this year's yet. They keep, some people keep their lights on their house year-round, pretending it's too much work to put them back up, so they just unplug them for 364 days. Some of y'all know I'm preaching to you right now. Some people will play Christmas music in the summer, waiting for it to get here. They'll watch Hallmark movies in July about Christmas. They'll even buy an entire DVD collection to watch it whenever they want. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching. Everybody relates to the feeling and anticipation around Christmas. Do you remember, if you can remember, some of y'all may not remember this far back. Maybe you didn't even do this this far back. But there's always a certain aura or air about Christmas. You remember when, maybe if you didn't do it, maybe your children do it. You remember when you ever made cookies and made them think that some big fat guy who's going to fit in a little tiny chimney is going to drop down out of nowhere and be able to bring them the best gift they ever got and they were going to eat Oreo cookies off your plate and then you had to get up in the middle of the night and bite one of those cookies and drink the milk and then you got fat but you weren't Santa? Come on somebody, that's good preaching. And you were wishing, I wish I could wave my magic wand like Santa and slim down chimneys but mine keeps expanding, not slimming. The wondering, and you ever wondered, I've seen it before, and I've seen it in movies, I've seen it with other people's children. But the eyes of the child, when they wake up the next morning, a half-bitten cookie, and they think, oh, my gosh, he really came. No, I'm fat, son. You didn't notice I gained weight? I mean, come on, son. I didn't go with two fat sizes up because I just naturally don't do nothing. I'm eating your cookies that you want me to put out for people. You ever watch a kid when no one's looking go grab a gift out of each, a gift out from under the tree and try to shake it and see what's inside of it and hope they don't get caught? They don't know you put it on the box. Fragile, they can't read. They're just shaking it in there. You don't. Because there's an aura, an aura of excitement. People get excited to be off from work, off from school, know that family's coming into town. Have you ever tried to sleep on Christmas Eve with kids? Good Lord, that is a tough job. You have about as much luck doing that as you do putting your pants back on in January for the size of pants you wore before Christmas. Because everybody knows after December 31st, y'all going shopping for the next pant size up because after all y'all ate for December... Y'all ain't going back to those size pants. Just be real. Y'all buying these expandable waist that have multiple buttons that you can just keep pulling out. Same pants just have multiple buttons in them. See, the reality of it is there's a certain excitement in the air 
around Christmas. You have Christmas parties at church and at work. The magic of Christmas is in the air. People seem to be happier for a season. It's quickly fleeting, but they are for a little while. But one of the things people don't like to talk about in the Christmas story or in the Christmas season, one of the central themes of the Advent season is what is called waiting. See, at Christmas, we don't like to wait for December 25th. We want the gift now. We want it now. I heard somebody say yesterday, and they shall remain nameless. I asked them, I said, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And they said, nothing. And I said, wow, really? And they said, no, because I can't. I, I really don't have anything I want. I said, well, you never left one of something. And this particular individual said, no, because if I want it, I buy it. So I don't need somebody to go buy it for me. I just buy it right then. I don't wait for them because by the time they buy it, I don't need it. So I go buy it right then. And some of us, that's, that's, that's but, but I say that in a, in a little bit of a comical way. But that's how the world, though, sometimes operates. They don't want to wait for God to do something. They want him either to do it now when they want it or they don't want him at all. Nobody likes to talk about the concept of waiting and tearing on God to move rather than wait and rather than we'd rather him move on our time. See, people want it done their way. God, I want I pray, I want you to do it and I want it done now. What they don't realize is God don't operate on man's time. That's how we want it to be. Could you imagine being Anna? You've been married for seven years, your husband dies, and for 84 years of life, you've seen nothing but pandemonium, chaos, Roman governments coming in, overthrowing the land, civil riots happening in Israel's history. You're seeing pandemonium and have no inclination when the Messiah is showing up. That's, that's a tough job. Could you imagine being Simeon, an old man that's been waiting for the Messiah to come, and the Lord promised him that one day he would come but could you imagine being Simeon thinking, I'm getting old and my time's running out. How much longer, Brother Mary, can I hold out? What if they'd have got ahead of God? What if that morning, Brother Randy, when Simeon got up to do his prayer that morning, instead of following the inclination and leading of the Holy Spirit to go to the temple, what if he said, I'm too tired to go this Sunday to church? Oh, y'all want to get quiet on me now. Y'all know where I'm about to go, don't you? Listen, I've been, I've been waiting to preach this sermon for all year long. This is, this, this is the only year I get to talk about Christmas on the, uh, like this. What if he'd have said, well, I like, I like the other church that I go to on Sunday, the Bed Springs Church of God, where the comforter always comes. That's the bed, y'all. You don't want to get up in the morning. It's amazing to me that That people, when the rapture takes place, they think they're going to levitate out of here, but the bed sheet can keep them from getting here during the week. It's amazing to me how they think that everything's all right when everything's not all right. As a church, not this church, but church in general, we have the body of Christ done a disservice telling people that anything and everything goes. That's not true. Everything, anything and everything does go. If it comes under the blood of Jesus Christ, anyone and everyone can go, but not anything and everything gets in the pearly gates because sin cannot get there. See, waiting is a central theme, but nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. You tell, you tell somebody, hey, just wait a minute. They, they don't understand that. What, what do you mean wait? I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting on that. It's not just kids. 
They learn it from us. We as adults are the same way. We don't like to wait. I'm not talking about just getting whatever trinket you need. I don't mean that. But I'm talking about the centrality of it all. We as a society don't like the waiting game. But that's what Advent was all around, all about. Prophecies had been foretold of the coming of the Messiah through Isaiah and Micah and other prophets of the old. But they never saw Jesus come into fruition in their lifetime. In fact, 400 years even passed by in between all of those prophecies where there was known as the silent years. Nobody knew what God was doing at that point in time. That's a lot of waiting. Can you imagine if you were Abraham? Abraham's promised a great nation, but God says that your people are going to be in bondage for many, many years, Abraham, before I'll send a deliverer. Could you imagine all the people that died under Egyptian captivity that never got to see freedom? They were born in slavery. They died in slavery. The Bible, though, tells us that when we were born, we were born into slavery called the slavery of sin. We were enslaved to our sinful nature. But the Bible said that also Jesus Christ come, that he could proclaim liberty and set the captive free. means everybody that's bound and enslaved by their sin, Jesus came with the sole purpose to unlock the bonds, unlock the, the, the fetters and chains that have, that have them wrapped up and tangled, and to set the captive free. That's what Isaiah said. Jesus quoted it when he was in the temple. He said, I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, but I've come to set captive people free. I don't want them to be enslaved anymore. We might be slaves to sin, but now we can be bond servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. No one likes to hope. In fact, one of the reasons I don't think we like to hope is because we don't understand the importance of the word anymore. The word's lost its meaning. We say things like, I hope this will work out. I hope I get what I want. I hope it snows this year. I hope they have cookies at the party. I hope they have cider. I hope, I hope, I hope. But that's not the same kind of hope that we're talking about this morning that has a name. He's not just a, eh, whatever kind of thing. It's the greatest of all hope. It's Jesus Christ. See, when I read to you about First Peter where it said, gird up your loins, there's a metaphor that Peter was using they would understand because the Middle Eastern men of the day, they would wear an inside tunic, but they would have an outer coat or skirt that would run around, like almost like a jacket, but it was long. And it was one of those like long like robe-type looks to it. And you've probably seen them on movies. You'll see the tunic on the inside. You'll see a belt, but you'll see a jacket that's on the outside that's long and oftentimes to the floor. And that tunic that or that coat... If something tragedy, tragic was to happen and they had to take off running or they had to run, it would trip them up. So when Peter said, gird up your loins and be ready, make sure you're prepared for action, prepared for and make sure you gird up your loins, ready to go, what he is saying is what they would do is they would take that outer coat and they'd pick it up and they'd tuck it into that belt so that now this dress that was underneath it kind of was a little bit like right around the knees so it could run if they needed to run so it wouldn't trip them up. What Peter is saying is as the body of Christ, sometimes we have to gird up our loins. We have to realize we got to pick up all of the stuff that's going to trip us up along the way. Lay aside every weight that so easily entangles you and run the race that's been set before us. Sometimes we have to tuck all of that stuff that's going to trip us up and tuck it into the belt of truth so that we can run the race that God has set before us. And when we do that, Peter says, once you do that, you can understand where you gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, because you have a hope, 
for the end of grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Once you bind it up, once you gird it up, and you put it under the blood, and you let the belt of truth keep it protected, and be sober and vigilant, you will see Jesus face to face one day, and realize that the hope of all hope is making it to heaven one day to see him face to face. Hope has a name. So there's a couple things briefly I want to talk to you about hope. Hope does a couple things. The first thing is it does is it gives you certainty about the future, but it'll let you be confident in the present. See, I, 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 I cannot explain to you or give you some prophetic utterance to tell you God's given me some divine word about how things are going to shape up in our world over the next month, two months, two years. I can't tell you viruses are going to eradicate like that. I think they could if God chose to do so. But I can't tell you for certain that's going to happen. I can't tell you for certain things are going to get better before they get worse. Or they might get worse before they get better. I don't know. But one thing I understand is, but that's what hope's all about. I don't have to know. Because I already know someone who does know for me. So what that does is it gives me certainty about my future, but it lets me remain confident in the present. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Because I don't know what's going to happen in the governments. I don't know what's going to happen in viruses. I don't know what's going to happen on jobs. I don't know what's going to happen in churches all across the world. But I can tell you there's going to come a day COVID's going to be eradicated. It may not be on planet Earth, but I've never heard where God lost anybody in heaven. I've never heard where there's a death in heaven. Because the Bible said there's no more death, there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying. So COVID can't go to heaven because if it goes to heaven, it can't kill nobody and it can't destroy them because there's no death and no crying. And it also can't stand because the Bible said, uh, God said to Moses, you cannot look upon my face and live. So there's no way diseases can stand before an almighty presence of God when we serve Jehovah Rapha, the healer. There's no possible way that that can be in heaven because the healer's in the house. So... Whether it gets taken care of here or not, I can have certainty. One day I don't have to fear COVID. One day I don't have to fear the government. One day I don't have to fear if I lose my job. One day I don't have to fear what's going to happen to my children or my grandchildren because I have a certainty. The Bible says when I place my, my confidence and my, my, my relationship and my, my eternal soul in the hands of Jesus Christ, the Bible says I have a hope that is steadfast and sure. I have a Holy Spirit that will seal me until the day of redemption, which tells me all I've got to do is keep running the race that has been set before me and keep going because certainly there's going to be a day. Nothing else will matter anymore. But hope also lets me remain confident in the present. Because I don't know when he's coming back. But I'm confident that, and I'm certain he's coming back. But I'm also confident that if I just keep being faithful here, he'll make sure I make it over there. Because the Bible said any man that sets his hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. But if you'll just be faithful with the few things, the Bible said I'll make you ruler over many things. All I got to do is just keep plowing the ground, keep riding the mule, keep beating the ox and saying, Lord, Lord, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. I don't need to look to the left. I don't need to look to the right. I don't need to look back. I don't even need to look down. But I need to keep my eyes heavenly towards Jesus. Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of my faith, who for the joy of the Lord set aside all the splendors of heaven and came down to give me hope in this life. Give me hope. I don't have to worry about it. 
because there's a God that has already seen what the future holds. The old song says this, many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I don't have to know what tomorrow's going to be. If I get to see tomorrow, December the 20th, I'm going to get up in the morning and eat breakfast. I'm going to go at 10 o'clock in the morning and teach Bible study at CLM, Change Lives Ministries. I'm going to go at 3 o'clock to Cypress Gardens and have engagement pictures done. I'm going to eat some kind of dinner tomorrow night. And I'm going to be counting down uh, how many presents i got to wrap under the tree and hope that a five-year-old doesn't figure out where they are in the house. But if I don't make it tomorrow, oh well. Because I'm certain that I know where I'm going. If I'm not in my house tomorrow, I'm not there. I know where I'm going. So y'all can go by 377 Decatur. You can have the presents. In fact, I'll leave you the keys to the car on the bar. You can have all my suits. You can have my shirt and ties. You can have the money in the bank account. Shoot, I'll leave you the routing number in the wallet in the car if you want to go by the bank. You can have all of it you want to because I'm not going to need it because that few thousand dollars is sitting in the bank. That's chump change to where I'm going because I'm going out of a subdivision at Old Rice Retreat in Cane Bay, but I'm moving into a mansion that's not built by mortal hands. I'm not going to be driving on potholes covered with asphalt, but I'm walking on streets of gold. I'm going to be passing gates of pearl. I'm going to be standing by Jasper Walls. You can have all that mess you want to because I'm certain I'm not going to need it where I'm going one day. I don't need it. Hope gives me certainty of the future, but confidence in the past. Many scholars believe Simeon was probably around 112 years old at his sighting of Jesus. Could you imagine waiting 112 years for your prayers to be answered? Think about that for a moment. He said, Pastor, he didn't pray it when he was a baby. No, but the concept behind it. Could you imagine waiting that long to see the promise come to pass? You know how many people prayed for their sons and daughters to get saved? Or their grandchildren to get saved? Or loved ones or a spouse? Or a healing, and they've yet to see. It. You know how many people have died and may not seen the fruits of those prayers? But can I tell you something else? Hope does. Hope lets us be confident in the present and certain in the future because the Bible says this: that when we offer prayer, Sister Brenda, whether we ever see it on this life or not, the Bible says our prayers are stored up in vials in heaven, which tells me you and I and everybody in this room may go to heaven one day and not see the certainty come to pass. But anything the Bible says that is put in the charging care of the Lord Jesus Christ, he never loses it out of his hands. So if my prayers are stored up in vials in heaven, I may die and be in the presence of the Lord, and I might be in heaven when he does it. But there'll come a day he'll pour the vial right out of heaven, right back down to planet Earth. And those prayers that I've been praying, God's not going to forget them. God's not going to let them be wasted. God's not going to let them not come to pass because they're stored up in his hand and in his charge. 112 years. Simeon knows exactly who he sees. As soon as the baby walks in the room, he recognizes it. Boy, it would be good for the church to recognize the presence of God when he walks into the room without being told. Think about what I just said. A lot of people go to church. A lot of people play church. A lot of people go to church. But everybody that goes to church didn't really go to church, y'all. They went to a building. They went to a concert. They went to a professional music musician showcase. They went to a professional lighting show. They went to a pyrotechnics event. A lot of people 
go to a place called church, but they really didn't go to church. They went to an event. They went to a concert. They went to a, a good feel-good moment. Because church ain't about how talented you are on stage. And church ain't about, now, if you're talented, praise the Lord. Church ain't about your pyrotechnic show and how many professional lighting gears you have. If you got that and you can afford it, praise the Lord. I'm not knocking people who do it. That's their prerogative. Yeah, okay, praise the Lord. But how I know church is church when I see people's lives made, cha changes made in people's lives and a difference when they walk out. I have a hard time saying people went to church when they leave the same way they entered in and nothing changed. Obviously, they didn't go to church that day. Because I don't know how you could be in the presence of the Lord and not be affected by his presence. Because everywhere Jesus went, he either healed somebody or his presence alone affected somebody. I don't know how people stay in his presence and can't get affected by it. The point to be made is this. Simeon knew when he walked into the temple, God was here. Nobody had to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, that's, that's, that's Jesus. It'd be good for the church to be able to, wherever we are in life, no matter what Sunday or Wednesday night it is, we walk in the building before the first note is played, the first song is sung, or the first message is given. People could walk into the door, grab the handle, step in the floor, and be like, ooh, it's going to be a good day in the Lord. I feel the presence of the Lord here already, and I never had to say a word to them when they walk in the building. That's a good day at church. That's a good day when people recognize God's there before being told he's there. Simeon had seen the same Roman captivity, bloody civil wars, revolutions of Israel. He'd been hoping that the Messiah would come, but he understood a principle. You can be confident in the present and certain about the future. Another thing I want you to understand is, though, that hope is oftentimes conceived out of deep pain and desperate needs. You know when people need the most hope? When everything's falling apart around them. You know when people are... You know when people say, man, I sure hope things get better. You know what they're saying? It's been really bad. I, need, I just need something better than what I'm doing. Because oftentimes hope is birthed out of deep pain and desperate need. You know, and in order to have a baby, the Bible tells us, according to the sins of Adam and Eve, one of the punishments to that was Eve was told there will be childbearing pains. You will experience pain. You will desire your husband, but when you bring forth the fruit from your, your loins, and you bring forth that baby, it's going to be with much travail and pain. You're going to suffer a little bit. It's, it's a consequence of that. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hold a bundle of joy, but it's going to come at a price. It's going to come at a price. That's what hope is. We can have hope, but oftentimes our hope is found when we are in deep pain desperate need but when the world 2,000 years ago was in desperate need of a savior when they were in desperate need of a deliverer when they were in desperate need of someone to come and offer them another way show them a different pathway when the world was in de deep pain and the world was in chaos and a nation was under captivity and another nation was uh, was mercilessly and and brutally attacking them on all sides when the world needed it most he showed up and he came yeah, he came as a baby, but he came. You say, Pastor, what are you telling me? I'm telling you that while we think that the world is in desperation right now, we've seen the pain of losing loved ones. We've seen the heartache even in our own church. We've seen it even in other churches. The heartache of what 
global pandemics can do and wreaking the lives and havoc on people's lives and taking the lives of people, quarantining people, making them feel depressed, downtrodden, locked up in home, feeling like they've got nowhere to go. Some have even lost their lives to it. Other ministers and other ministries have been affected by the loss of said things. And we've had all of the, the world has experienced deep pain. And we obviously are in desperate need because our world is in shambles. But can I tell you, we're setting it up for a perfect opportunity for him to come again because the last time he came, he came when the world was in flux, when the world was in pandemonium, when the world was in desperate need of a Savior, when the world was experiencing deep pain, that's when he came. Well, there's a world right now experiencing deep pain. There's a world right now struggling. There's a world right now in desperate need of another way. So we're setting up for him to come again. Come again. Luke his writing he describes this he uses a Greek word prostectomy that literally means to give access to one's self because Luke uses a word about the consolation or the encouragement when he describes Simeon he was talking about the consolation of Israel and when he said that that word means to encourage to comfort, to give relief. The prostatomai, literally, to give one access means you've been waiting so long that it hurts. You're in pain. It involves a, a deep contrition, a part of you that you, it's almost like bringing tears to your eyes just thinking about it. But Simeon realized, but there's a hope that can fix that. See, we must be reminded that our hope is not based on our current situations that we are facing or the current pain that we are feeling, but our hope is in the fact that things can be changed and restored instantaneously when Jesus walks into the room. The current situation is not what we have to worry about. Hope is not defined by our situation. It's defined by no matter how bad it gets, there's a God who can fix it just like that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about Advent. The only person who can actually celebrate Advent are the people who carry a restlessness around them, whose souls give them no peace, who know that they are poor and incomplete, and who sense there is something greater that is still to come. Wow. wow. Miss Carol makes her way, but you know what? I don't want to leave you depressed out of here for Christmas. So I want to tell you, not only can you be certain of the future and confident in the past, not only is hope normally conceived in deep pain and desperate need, but when hope finally arrives, we know it was cultivated and culminated by a baby. That's what the Christmas story is all about. Jesus didn't come because he didn't have nothing better to do in heaven. That's not why he came. Jesus didn't come because he just was twiddling his thumbs, thought this would be a fun vacation or a little excursion he'd go on for 33 and a half years. He came because he knew we needed him. And a broken and a contrite spirit, God will not despise. He couldn't leave us like that. His heart wouldn't let him leave us like that. I said it last week, and I say it again today. He's going to come again, but he ain't coming as a baby this time, though. He's coming on a white horse, bearing a sword, and declaring on one thigh, King of kings, on the other thigh, written Lord of lords. Angelic hosts will declare his arrival with the blowing of trumpets. And you thought, 
We sang about angels we have heard on high this morning. You ain't never heard singing like you heard when the second coming of Christ arrives and the entire thousands upon millions of angelic creation sings the arrival and the redemption song of the church. The Bible says there's a song even the angels cannot sing. It's the song of the blood-bought, washed church of the redeemed. There's when he comes again. It's not as a baby, but it's as the triumphant king of glory. The king of glory. Our hope is not found in our 401k. Our hope is not found in a relationship, a job, a medical report, a sitting or past president. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Hope does not end in despair. Hope does not disappoint. Because hope comes in the form of the babe incarnate. The Old Testament writings pointed to him. The Jewish people missed him. But Simeon and Anna welcomed him to this world. Jesus was only about a month old. So many people had missed his arrival. But Anna and Simeon were waiting for his arrival and they were with watchful eye looking and anticipating his arrival. You know when God's going to come? When the church has that watchful eye, when we have that, that anticipation of his arrival, we keep looking, re, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. When we have that anticipation, we might not be surprised he'll come when we expect him. You see, people loved what Jesus could do for them later in his ministry. But it was all based on their own expectations. But hope is not defined on your expectations. It's defined on the goodness of God. They wanted God to do it a certain way. They wanted him to look a certain way. They wanted him to change things in their favor. But God doesn't do what we want. He does what he desires. So where do you put your hope? Do you put it in something else beside God? You see, the holidays, I have learned, are a double-edged sword. It brings both light, brings both to light, the good of life and the bad of life. It is during this time of the year people celebrate life. It is this time of the year that people celebrate the loss of life and pain. Oftentimes, there's no other time of the year where people are more aware of the problems that they can't solve, the people they can't control, and the expectations they can't meet. During the Christmas season, oftentimes, it is one of the most celebrated, but also one of the most oppressed seasons of the year. People realize they can't solve their problems. They're out of a job. They're out of a home. They got people in their lives turning their back on them that they can't control, and they can't seem to meet expectations. There are problems that you'll never be able to fix overnight or possibly ever. There are people in your life that you won't be able to save in the holidays, maybe even ever. There are expectations you may try so hard to live up to, but you may never reach that ever to the level that is desired. But that does not affect the hope that you can have in Christ Jesus. Because that's not where your hope is lies. Lies. There's a difference between being hopeful for something and being hopeful in something you can hope you get a nice gift for Christmas but if you don't get it you might get disappointed but you can put your hope in Jesus 
and you'll never be disappointed when he's in your life. During the Christmas season, we don't have to wait for hope to come. Hope has already come, and he has a name. When we know the source of our hope, we can live every moment believing the best is yet to come. When we embrace the anticipation and expectation, we will free up for ourselves the urgency of having to fix things now and learn this principle, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I don't have to fix it. If Jesus began the good work, he'll finish the job. I just got to let him do the job. So I ask you this morning in closing, while we wait on the Lord, what could you do to prepare for his next arrival? For some of us, it might mean during this Advent season to perfect a heart of forgiveness and forgive someone we've not been able to forgive. Maybe seek forgiveness from someone we've wronged. Pursue a deeper relationship with God. Repent from a sin. Serve the body of Christ. Love others. While we wait eagerly, earnestly, and actively, the question still lies, where do you place your hope? But I want you to know, 2021, on Christmas Sunday, I have the answer for you today. I may not have the answer to a lot of things, but I have the answer to one thing. I know where hope comes from. Hope is not a new car. It's not a new job. It's not a new dish somebody's cooking for Christmas. Hope has a name. That name, the Bible says, is a name that's above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. So I want to tell you today, hope has a name. That's him. That's him. I remember an old song sung around the Easter season. The writer simply said, said this, that's him. He was Sharon's rose. That's him. The bright and morning star. He was talking about him dying. But he was talking about when Jesus was going through. People were asking, well, who is that man? The song culminated by saying, that's him. Can I tell you, once you meet him, once you experience him, once he touches your life, you won't have to ask when you walk into the room, or even more so when he walks into the room. You don't have to wait for the preacher to tap you on the shoulder, grab you, and tell you to come to the altar, or wait for Sister Sherry to sing the song. You'll walk into the room, and as soon as you step in, you'll go, I don't know who is here today, but I know that's him. So I tell you today, hope has a name. And that's him. It's Jesus Christ. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm simply going to ask this today. You say, Pastor, this message spoke to my heart. I want to respond to this message. I need the hope of Christ, the light of Christ to shine in me again. I need the hope of glory to meet me again. You say, Pastor, this message spoke to me today. It's meant for me in my life right now where I'm at. I want you to lift your hands wherever you're at. No one looking around. 
during this Christmas season you say pastor I, I need to believe in that hope that hope again I need to believe in Jesus Christ again yes are there any others I see that hand I, yes I see that hand any others you say I want the hope of glory to be celebrated in my life this Christmas season I want to know and experience that hope that has a name Jesus Christ here's what I'm going to ask you to do we'll do it very quickly and effectively so that I don't keep you longer than the intended time today but if you raised your hand no one else looking around but me and Jesus I want you to come this morning to this altar and let me pray for you today I want to pray for you today I want to pray that the hope of glory would come and you would experience a hope you've never experienced before. Will you come? If you raise your hands, I'm standing right here. Will you come? Will you let me pray for you today and say, that's him. That's the hope of glory. Yes, as one has already come. Are there any others? Yes. Yes. I'll tell you just for a moment. Here's what I want to ask you today. If you're physically able and you feel safe in doing so, you're willing to do so. I'm going to ask anybody that is willing to come, and I want you to help me pray for these two individuals. I have both male and female in this altar today. They need the hope of glory to experience, experience the hope of glory this Christmas season. Will you help me pray for them today? Will you come and help me pray today? We pray together. Father, in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Father, I pray. God with us. Breathe. 
this house, you sing it with us. Christmas season. I want you to know this is what I pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give can we so Can we say so be it, Lord? We are committed to you. Meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Before we pray the benedictory prayer, let me say to you one more time, I love you. I'm honored to serve you. I pray you and your family have a blessed Christmas. We still have services tonight, so don't think this is my signing off for the week. You come back. We still have another chance, another, another opportunity. But because so many of you are going to be gone, out of town, traveling, sightseeing, going everywhere else and not bringing anything back for me to have when you go that was just a plug during this midweek we will not have midweek service we'll come right back in next Sunday morning uh, this week there's just so many moving parts and uh, I love you I might pro I probably will get on uh, Wednesday night and do some kind of online at 7 o'clock uh, type Bible study it'll be online on our Facebook page of the church uh, it won't be in-house, but I'll do some 7 o'clock kind of uh, uh, a devotion and just wish you one more time a Merry Christmas and all that stuff. But a lot of you have a lot of family coming in town. Some are already in town. Some are coming in. you got a lot of baking to do. Uh, just remember, you can always make an extra one and send it by the office. If you don't, we don't mind. We'll, we'll test it out first to make sure it's safe before you give it to your family. We don't want nobody to get sick. So you let us try it first. We'll let you know if it's worth keeping. Uh, uh, I... Uh, I am a, I am a, I may not be a good cook, but I am a professional taste tester. I'll tell you if it tastes good or not. So we're okay with that. If you're traveling this week, I'm praying God speed to you. I'm praying you have a safe trip. Enjoy time with your family and friends, uh, but come back. Don't stay. Okay. Don't, don't get, don't say, oh, this is nice. I like it here. No, no, you don't like it there. Come on home. Come on back. First of the year, I expect to see y'all. All right. They, Brother Larry's out of town right now. They already trying to get him to move to Seattle. I said, God is not in that. There ain't nothing about God in that. God didn't have nothing to do with that. So uh, you come on back home. I know Gatlinburg's pretty and Pigeon Forge is pretty, but it'll be pretty on vacation. Come on back to the house. Y'all come on back. So, But we do love you. And we will be back to services tonight at 6 p.m. 
But if I don't see you between now and Christmas, I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. And hopefully a Happy New Year. Hopefully I'll see you next Sunday before the New Year. But if not, a Happy New Year as well. We love you. We hope you have a great, great season with family and friends. I am going to ask the former pastor and shepherd of this house, Pastor Art, one of our retired ministers in the state, if he would be so kindly to pray our benedictory prayer immediately following. Uh, be friendly with one another, love on one another, and you'll be considered dismissed. Pastor Art today. <laughs>